Well, thanks for joining us, folks. Good, good to be with you this morning. We're wrapping up our series. We've been talking about heroes in the Bible, and we've been talking about how our extraordinary God takes ordinary people and does incredible things through them. This morning, we're looking at the story of David and Goliath. If, you've not, if you're not familiar with the story, spoiler alert, David wins. I want to dive right into the summary verse of 1 Samuel verse 7, chapter 17, verse 50. It says, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. Now, we know this story. David has been sent by his father Jesse to go visit his brothers, bring them some lunch, essentially. And when he rolls in, he realizes there's this Philistine giant that is taunting and, and defiling the, the children of Israel. And so David, he can't handle this, so he's got he's to do something there. He's got he's to take care of this. So, but I think one of the things that's important for us to realize is that David had not read this story. He, it was being written moment by moment as he was there. So it's easy for us to read it and, and not realize the dynamic of what's happening. But David had not read the story. We know how David slings the stone and the giant goes down. But what I want to do with you this, this morning or whenever you're listening is I want to give you three things that will help ensure your victory. Because we don't always get to choose our battles. You know, there's many things in our lives we get to choose, but... There's also many things we don't get to choose. We don't get to choose who our parents are or where we were born or when we were born. We don't get to choose the color of our skin and so many things like that. But our greatest response to a devil is not the songs we sing or don't sing depending on governmental orders. <laughs> Uh, our, our response to, our greatest response to a devil isn't the talents that you have. Our greatest response to a devil is a decision. And, you know, there's a great story. Sir Edmund Hillary had a dream early in life to become the first man to come, get to the summit of Mount Everest. His first effort ended in failure, so he joined another expedition, and that expedition ended in tragedy. Somebody died on the mountain. Later that same year, Hillary was speaking to an audience about the experience, and behind him on the platform was a giant photograph of Mount Everest. Well, Hillary turned towards the, the photograph and said, Mount Everest, you have defeated us, but I will return and I will defeat you because you can't get any bigger, but I can't. Now, every one of us has faced or is facing or will face giants in our lives. Mountains that, from our perspective, make Everest look like a bump in the road. You know, some of us may be thinking, come on, Everest, come on, it's, it's a pile of dirt with some rocks and some snow on top. I mean, do you want to see a mountain? Look at my life. Look at the things that I'm dealing with. Look at, look at my challenges that I'm facing. And let's talk about challenges. Your, your challenges might be financial issues. Your challenges might be relational issues. You know, your challenges might be a health issue. And you're thinking, how can I ever get over this? How can, how can I deal with this? How can I conquer this mountain? Well, I think we can learn something from Sir Edmund's 
words. Mountain, you can't get any bigger, but I can. A few months after Hillary spoke these words, he launched another expedition. And on May 29, 1957, he and one of his team members became the first to reach the summit of Mount Everest. He did become bigger than that mountain, just, just like he said he would. And I've always liked that story of Sir Edmund Hillary because it reminds me of the words of Jesus in Mark 17, verse 20. Jesus said, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, just a tiny little bit of faith. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. See, it's not that we don't have this seedling of faith within us. We just sometimes aren't yet bold enough to put our faith into words. And until then, until you put your faith into words, your faith is ineffectual. Jesus made it clear that there must be a connection between the faith that's in our hearts and the words that come out of our mouth. And Sir Edmund Hillary spoke to this mountain, and a short time later, he conquered it. Now, David didn't face a mountain. He faced a giant. And everybody said, you know, that giant's too big to kill. And David said, that giant's too big to miss. And today, see, I want to look with you at how David spoke to Goliath. When we consider David's words, and we consider the words of Jesus about speaking to the mountain, we, we can learn something about how we should speak to problems and challenges and the giants and mountains that we face in everyday life. So if you're facing a giant of a mountain today, Here's something to remember. First thing I want, I want to point out to you, and I want to encourage you to write this down. Do the talking, not the listening. Too often we do all the listening when we're faced by challenges and not enough talking. Now, in most situations, it's important that you do more listening than talking. I mean, God gave us uh, two ears and one mouth, right? But when it comes to dealing with Goliath, you need to remember that he's got nothing good to say to you, and he's got nothing true to say to you. So feel free to ignore him. Just shut him out. And David, before David spoke to the giant, the giant spoke to him. And when David had just entered the battlefield, armed with only a sling and some stones, Goliath sneered at him. And he began calling him names in verse, 20, verse 44 of 1 Samuel 17. It says, And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. That's how, that's, that's how giants speak to us. That's how problems speak to us. That's how addictions speak to us. They say, you're mine. I'm going to humiliate you, and then I'm going to destroy you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And you know the, the mountains that we face? They say things like, you know, your marriage is never going to get any better. You don't deserve a good marriage. You know, you, you, you're always going to have money problems. You know, you, you don't deserve. You're not good enough to get out from under that mountain of debt. And what happens is your, your problems try to intimidate you, and they're, they're always telling you what can't be done. They're always telling you that you're not worthy. You're not worth it. And nobody cares. And when it comes to dealing with a giant, the first thing you need to remember is that it's your job to do the talking, not the listening. So what do you say? Well, that brings us to the second point that I want you to, re 
want you to remember this morning. that You set the record straight. That's what you say. Sometimes there are people who are close to you who speak on behalf of the giant. Now, it may be unintentional, and we certainly want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but it may be unintentional on their part, but the fact is that they're not speaking the word of God. They're speaking the word of Goliath to you. And they may not say it as viciously as he did, but it's the same message. This problem is bigger than you are. You're going to fail. Now, Eliab was David's oldest brother. And just the chapter before, in chapter 16, Samuel went to anoint a son of Jesse to be the next king of Israel. And Eliab was the first one to be set aside before David was eventually anointed. But Eliab, he, he becomes angry when, when David shows up and when David begins to exhibit some courage. Now, now, if you're with your spouse, don't look at them right now, but sometimes we can find ourselves fighting against that which we should be fighting for. And see, what happens, the enemy will often present another enemy to distract us from the enemy that we should be focused on. And that's what happens in marriage all the time. I remember when Lori and I had only been married a short time, we found ourselves, we were fighting all the time, it seemed like. And I don't remember which one of it was. It was probably Lori, because she's, she's, she's sharper than I am. But, but she finally said, hey, wait a minute, we're on the same team. We started doing this thing where we'd say, we, when one of us would wake up in the middle of a heated conversation, we'd say, oh, wait a minute, same team. We'd actually do this fist bump thing. Same team, same team. 1 Samuel 17, 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard that how he spoke to the men. Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why did you come down here? What, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? He's diminishing him. He's saying, you know, your job is to watch a couple sheep. And you're not even supposed to be here. And then he assaults his character. And he says, and I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. You just want to get in the middle of everything that's going on. This is none of your business. Eliab says, you don't even belong here. And what's David do? David basically says, talk to the hand. Verse 29 and 30, and David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him to, toward another. He just turned around and talked to somebody else. And then David hears that Saul is offering, you know, uh, no taxes and, and the, the, to marry his daughter and all these great things for whoever will take, uh, take on Goliath and win. And so David goes to, to Saul. He says, you know, come on, man, we, we can do this. And, and Saul, Saul does this, you're only kind of thing. You ever have anybody do that with you? You're only. You're, you know, you don't amount to much. You, you don't have anything really to offer here. And Saul, King Saul, says to David, he said, you're only a youth. And this guy has been a warrior since, since his youth. I mean, you don't have a chance here. But David does something really powerful. He, he basically says, listen, I brought the same God with me to this valley that I had in other valleys. He begins to recite his resume to King Saul. He says, you know, when I was watching my father's sheep, 
this bear came into our camp and I slapped that bear down. And a little later, a lion came in to our camp and I, I killed that lion. And he said, listen, the, the same God is with me in this valley that was with me in those other valleys. And, and like David, listen, we need to set the record straight sometimes. We need to set the record straight. If I can just say, that, say this respectfully and encouraging, listen, some of you are fighting the wrong battle. If you had to face the problems in your own strength, listen, you would have every right to be intimidated and to be afraid. But that's not the case. You're not fighting in your own strength. This, you're not in this battle alone. It's God's battle too. And when David came on the scene, he saw how frightened the men of Israel were, and, and he, he, he couldn't ignore it. He, he had to speak up. He, he had to put the situation into, in perspective. He, in effect, in, in essence, he, he basically said, wait a minute. Why are you afraid of Goliath? Who are you? And, and who is he? He said in verse 26, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? More importantly, David didn't just talk about the problem of Goliath. He talked to the problem of Goliath one-on-one, -on -one, straight, straight ahead. When he entered the battle, battlefield, uh, uh, Goliath scoffed. And, and it, it says in verse 43, So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And David looked up at Goliath and said, in effect, Goliath, I'm the one telling you how it's going to be. I'm going to tell you how this. And listen, listen to his exact words, verses 45 through 47. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. You've got all this stuff. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save but with spear and sword, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. That, my friend, is how you speak to a giant. You tell a giant what his limitations are, and you tell him what his future will be. And you tell that giant that he's no match for your God. And just like Edmund Hillary shaking his fist at the giant photograph of, of Everest and saying, you cannot get any bigger, but I can, you can speak to the mountain that you face. You can say, I will conquer you, not in my own power, but in the power of the Lord God Almighty working through me. I will conquer you. Now, when I talk about setting the record straight, I'm talking about putting the problem into proper perspective. This problem is nothing compared to the power of God. I mean, come on, don't tell God how big your problem is. Tell your problem how big your God is. Think of the, the greatest challenge you're facing today. Is it an addiction? Is it a financial struggle? 
Is it a health scare? The, the question is not, whether, is not whether or not you can, you can beat this thing because you probably can't in your own strength. The question is, can God overcome this problem? And of course he can. The next question then is, will God overcome this problem? In other words, is this a battle that God wants you to win? Now, obviously, this is determined on a case-by-case basis, but I will say that 95% of the time, this is a problem that God wants you to win. This is a battle that God wants you to win. Does he want you to overcome a controlling habit or an addiction to sinful behavior? Well, of course he does. Does he want your relationship to be healed so you can extend forgiveness and receive forgiveness? Of course he does. Does he want you to get out from underneath this mountain of debt and live in financial peace? Yeah, he wants that for you. Does he want you to experience success in your life in such a way that it brings honor and glory to his name? I believe he does. Remember the three Hebrew children, uh, Meshach, Yershach, and, and, and a bungalow, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And what do they say to King Nebuchadnezzar? They say, we know our God can deliver us. We believe that he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to worship you. Listen, we need to be willing we need to be willing to take the next step and speak words of faith in every situation. We need to remember that Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can speak to that mountain and it will move. Now, he didn't say you can think about that mountain and it will move. He said you can speak to that mountain and it will move. The Gospel of Mark has a similar quote from Jesus uh, regarding the connection between faith and words. I love how the King James Version expresses it. Mark eleven twenty three, For verily I say to you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. I, I love that phrase. He shall have whatever he, he, whatsoever he saith. Do you see the progression? You believe it, you say it, you receive it. In order to become bigger than the mountain, you have to dare speak a word of faith to that mountain. And to, to defeat a giant, you've got to be bold enough to speak a word of faith to that giant. You have to set the record straight. Mountain, you may be big, but you can't get any bigger. And by the power of Almighty God, I can. Giant, you may, big, you may be big, but you are no match for the God of all creation. I, I know in my heart and I know in my mind that this battle is a battle that God wants me to win. So today, I claim the victory in his name. Uh, there's a third thing I want you to remember. After you've kind of spoke that word of faith, after you, you decided who's going to do the talking, you decide you're going to be doing the talking and you're going to set the record straight. Here's the third thing. You can write this in if you're taking notes, and that is you reach for a rock. You reach for a rock. When Edmund Hillary made the speech in which he stood in defiance to Mount Everest, 
It was a dramatic moment. It was followed by thunderous applause. But Hillary didn't build a career traveling throughout the country as an after-dinner speaker screaming at a picture of a mountain. You know what he did? He planned his next expedition and went back to Everest. Now, when David stood up to Goliath, he said, This day I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. It was a, a dramatic moment. But David didn't turn around at that moment and say to the army, Did you hear that, boys? I just spoke a compelling word of faith. You hear it? Wow. No, what, instead David reached into his pouch and he pulled out a rock and he placed it in his, in his sling and he got ready to put his life on the line. And, and this is what you need to remember when it comes to speaking the word of faith. If you want to receive whatsoever you saith, that is, if you want God to stand behind your words, you have to be willing to stand behind your words as well. David spoke boldly to Goliath, and then he went after Goliath. Just, just as there was a connection between, just as there must be a connection between the faith in your heart and the words you speak, there also must be a connection between the words you speak and the actions you take. This, this isn't just a, a name it and claim it or voice it and Rolls Royce it kind of theology. You know, it's not about using magical words to, to get material possessions. It's about using words of faith to experience victory in the power of the name of Jesus. Words of faith. After you speak a word of faith, you reach in your bag for a rock because you have to put your, your, mouth, your money where your mouth is. If you're going to experience the fullness of God's blessing in your life, you've got to put your money where your mouth is. And if you want to slay a giant, you've got to be ready to reach for a, a rock. Now, speaking of a word of faith... Speaking a word of faith isn't, isn't all there is to spiritual victory, but it is an essential step in the process. Your words provide a link between what you believe and what you do. Speaking a word of faith propels you into taking action. Now, right now, in fact, use your spiritual imagination with me for a moment. Imagine that you're looking at a mountain that has defeated you. Imagine that you're standing in front of a giant that has defied you. You're not going to listen to the taunts and the intimidation any longer. You're making a decision. Instead, you're going to set the record straight. You're the one telling the giant how it's going to be. He can't get any bigger, but you can get bigger through the power of God at work in your life. His days are numbered, but listen. Your days are without number because you have the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. The giant is going to fall to the ground and I'm going to stand victorious over him because God is at work in my life. It's time to activate the power of faith through the words that you speak and the actions you take. When you do that, what's God promises? He said, you can say this, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your good heart, your good will towards each of us who believe in you. Help us, Lord, to receive your word implanted, cause it to bring forth fruit in our lives. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.